0: Welcome to Bite by Bite Nutrition for Life, a broadcast of Purdue University Extension, where we cut through the hype, explore the science behind food and nutrition, and provide practical tips for incorporating helpful strategies into everyday life.
1: Hello, and welcome back to Bite by Bite Nutrition for Life. I am your host today, Monica. Uh, Tanya is out, so we have a new host coming in to help us out, and that is Abby Sampson. You might remember her from our very first episode where we talked about pet peeves, and you might recognize her work on our social media pages, so she's normally doing that for us, but today she decided to come on and help me kind of recap some of what we've already heard in a previous episode. So in our first two episodes um, that you've hopefully listened to, we talked with Katie Hake and Amanda Atkinson about intuitive eating and Health at Every Size. They shared a lot with us, so we really wanted to take some time to chew that up and really digest it. Uh, So we're gonna hope to have a quick episode here where we can help um, break down that information. So during Amanda's episode on Health at Every Size, she spoke about social determinants of health being a major factor that impacts someone's health as opposed to just their weight. So this may be a new concept to some of our listeners, so we wanna further explain that, what the social determinants of health are. So they are grouped into five different domains, economic stability, access to quality education, access to quality health care, neighborhood and built environment, and social support. So basically people who have a steady employment tend to be healthier because they have access to health care and wellness programs through work. If they do not have a stable income, they are unable to afford healthy foods and housing. Chronic conditions can also lead to inability to gain or maintain employment, leading to worsening health.
0: So yeah, Monica, access to quality education closely relates to being able to have steady employment. People with high levels of education um, are more likely to have healthier lifestyles and live longer. If someone does not have access to that quality education, this could lead them to less education and lower paying jobs. In addition, children um, are, can be bullied or experience social discrimination, and th- then those children are more likely to struggle with math and reading these stressors can lead to challenges in child's brain development. The determinants of health are also really closely related because um, without an education and job, it's difficult to have insurance. And so about one in 10 people in the US don't have health insurance and with no insurance, they're less likely to have a primary care provider and are unable to afford health care that they may need. So many preventative screenings are missed without the
1: care of primary care physicians. Those are great points, Abby, and I know we've talked about employment, we've talked about uh, insurance, uh, that education, but the built environment was another aspect of those uh, social determinants of health, and the built environment is where the people live and work, uh, and it's just so crucial to one's health because people who live in neighborhoods with high rates of violence or unsafe air and water and other safety risks are unlikely to participate in physical activity because it might be dangerous to go outside and just try to go for a walk. Uh, Maybe too at the workplace, they might have some exposure to secondhand smoke or loud noises um, and this can harm people's health as well. Another great aspect of the social determinant of health is people's relationships. Uh, They have a major impact on their health and well-being. Being able to receive the social support they need can positively impact their health and safety throughout their life. So these environmental pieces are so important to remember when assessing someone's health. We often tend to just look at their weight. And as Amanda mentioned, one single weight isn't a good determinant of health status, but maybe a weight trend uh, could be better as well as looking at the social determinant of health for our individuals.
0: Yes, and Amanda also mentioned that health at every size doesn't mean that um, registered dietitians are promoting obesity, which I really like that she pointed that out because it's something as a registered dietitian that I struggle with that idea about health at every size and wonder what people think. And I think it's really key because this health at every size is really trying to promote sustainable approaches. So... What she means is focusing solely on your weight can actually lead to weight cycling, and this takes the focus away from what we actually want to achieve, which is better health in general and focusing on our overall health.
1: Yeah, and I'm so glad we're talking about our first two episodes together because uh, one of those sustainable approaches uh, that we can take from Amanda's talk is what we talked to Katie Hake about, which is intuitive eating. And so we didn't really have the opportunity on um, her episode to really talk about all 10 of those principles of intuitive eating. Um, So I think now is probably a good time to go ahead and break those down. So uh, we did, I think, do a pretty good job of talking about rejecting that diet mentality. So that's the first step of intuitive eating is we have to realize that diets don't work. Uh, so we need to quit doing that cycling through all those diets every year at new year's resolution or whatever it might be Uh, and i'm sure many of you have been on a diet before uh, so you know how it goes you lose a bunch of weight at first but in the end you gain it all back and maybe more
0: yes and next with that intuitive eating is honoring our hunger so when when we're dieting we don't actually listen to what our bodies are telling us we're letting our mind overpower our body and so we need to make sure that we're eating enough food or our bodies will have us overeating um, the next time because we're just so ravenous because we haven't supplied our body with enough fuel. So it's really important not to ignore the hunger pangs and listen to them and nourish your body.
1: Yes, and the third principle, it's my favorite one because it's all about making peace with food. I I talk to people all the time about like, food is not our enemy, let's quit demonizing it. Um, It's time to stop that. So you know let's spend some time thinking about how food isn't evil Uh, it's not bad for us it's all nourishing so as soon as we can make that peace with the food and quit giving it power over us it suddenly just becomes what it is which is nourishment for our body Um, and this stops some of those uncontrollable cravings that we have and it's just like you know If you have children, you know what it's like. You tell your kids, hey, you can't do this. You can't go to your friend's house. You can't watch a movie. And what is the very first thing they do? They rebel and do it anyways. That's exactly what our bodies are doing when we're trying to do these diets and not honor our hunger. Uh, You know, our bodies rebel and all we can do is think about that pizza that we won't allow ourselves to have.
0: Yes. And the next uh, rule is really, we all need to stop and challenge the food police, which I really like. We need to learn to dig down deep and stop the voice in your head that's telling you you're bad because you enjoyed that piece of cake at work the other day. Um, And this is something that we often actually verbalize, um, but it can be harming to ourselves and others as well with the words that we're using to describe how we're um, consuming food and how we're handling that.
1: Yeah, we talked on the episode about um, the kids who are listening. So when we say things out loud that this food is bad for us, what are our kids hearing? Um, and I think, too, they're talking about the food police. Those food police are not registered dietitians, so don't be looking at us as if we're judging that cake on your plate, because I know <laughs> I'm going to be eating it with you. <laughs> <I will too. laughs> um, But food is just meant to be enjoyed, you guys, so Principle 5 is how to discover that satisfaction factor. Uh, So uh, sit down with no interruptions and really taste your food. Um, So if there's maybe some things you've been avoiding um, because you think it's the most wonderful food in the world, get it out, sit down and really taste it and see if you actually like it. Um, And remember what it's like to truly be satisfied and enjoy what you're eating. Uh, so, I know that none of our listeners have ever actually gone to the pantry in search of a rice cake because who would do that? So next time <laughs> you go to the pantry in search of chips, let yourself eat those chips because if you're like me and you're saying, oh, I can't eat this bad food for me, I uh, all I've done is I eat everything else in the refrigerator and the pantry when all I end up doing is eating those chips anyway. So, I've eaten probably 500 more calories than if I would have just eaten a handful of chips in the first place. <laughs>
0: Yes. And the next one, um, principle that we have is once we are eating and we're doing all these great things, we need to feel our fullness. Um, and so we really need to learn to listen to our body, um, determine what, what actually feels satisfying to you. So I actually say this a lot, even just to myself, um, are you going to be satisfied with getting the, that, that size of an ice cream cone? Can, I'll, I'll probably be satisfied with the smaller one. It's gonna, it's going to satisfy me and f- fill me up and satisfy my craving. And so the book um, has a really great dis- um, suggestion on this is that you should stop eating midway when you're sitting down for a meal and ask yourself if the food still tastes good. Um, and if it doesn't, the chances are that you're actually full. Um, so you wanna ask yourself if you're satisfied and you've had enough and have no shame in, in um, understanding that your body's telling you that you're full. Um, And and an important thing to know about this is that we're not striving for the Thanksgiving fullness of um, feeling like you're going to bust out of your pants or anything. We're just striving for just basic fullness that you know you're going to be full until your next meal.
1: And I think that is such a hard concept uh, for people to understand when I've ta- um, talked to people about intuitive eating before, I ask them about what it feels like to be hungry and what it feels like to be satisfied. And they don't know. People say that Thanksgiving stuffed uh, mm-hmm. is what it's like to be satisfied. And no, that's not what it's like to be satisfied. That's what it's like to be stuffed. <laughs> yeah. So uh, stop a few minutes before that. Uh, It's also important to recognize that many of us use food to cope with our emotions. And so principle seven is actually um, helping us deal with our emotions with kindness. Uh, So if we're bored, maybe sad or frustrated, there are better ways for us to deal with those emotions than to eat. So find those coping techniques that work for you and use them. Uh, One of my favorite coping techniques is I I tend to be a boredom eater. Uh, So I like to move my body. I get out, go for a walk, go play in the garden, do whatever it is. to stop being bored um, as a coping technique because I'm not actually hungry, I'm just bored. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, that's, that's a great um, principle to remember too. Um, our eighth principle is that our bodies are not all one size fits all. And so this is to respect your body. Um, and this actually is really neat that we're doing both of our episodes together because this principle coincides with Amanda's episode on health at every size that respecting your body so you can feel better about who you are. And it's hard to reject that diet mentality if you're unrealistic or overly critical about your body size or shape. Um, And just that those those words that we have in our head that, you know, we're telling ourselves or society is telling us, um, but really all bodies deserve dignity and respect.
1: Yes, love our bodies. I'm always amazed by what the human body can do. So sometimes if you don't, Look at yourself in the mirror and proud of what you see. Just remember what that body does. (laughs) Uh, And one way to help our bodies feel good is to move our bodies. And so find a movement activity that you really enjoy and just move. If you don't want a personal trainer screaming in your face and forcing or forcing yourself to run because you don't like it, then don't do that. (laughs) Find an activity that you enjoy. uh, Because if you don't enjoy it, chances are you're not going to continue to do it. You're going to find the reasons, the excuses to not do it. And don't use movement to punish yourself either for the food you have eaten. That's another common trend. So just make sure we're moving our bodies just to make our bodies feel better. Uh, Movement buddies are another great thing to have because if you can experience exercise uh, with someone else, that makes it more enjoyable. I'm quite the talker, so I know I enjoy having someone there to talk with me. Um, but one of my favorite ways to just move my body is to dance. Um, I won't let anybody record me dancing because I'm not good at it, but <laughs> but I just love to get out there and dance and move my body. Yeah, that's
0: great. I, I have to say that I love having a walking buddy, which also normally incorporates a dog or two, um, but you can walk for 45 minutes and chat and you know, it doesn't always feel like ex- exercise and you walk away not only um, doing something for yourself physically, but it's also really good mentally to, to have that walking partner. So our last principle is honoring your health. And so there's really no reason to attempt to eat perfectly um, to be healthy because health isn't achieved or even ruined by just one meal. Um, So choose foods that taste good and make you feel good and overall strive for happy and healthiness.
1: And Abby, these are all great principles, but I think it's important to add in here and remember too, that we're not going to accomplish all of these things in one day. Uh, By If you choose to go get the intuitive eating book and read it. You're not. You're not going to solve all your problems. You're not going to one day just be like, "I'm never dieting again." Um, it's going to take some time because some of these thoughts are really ingrained in our, our psyche. Um, but there is help out there, so make sure you seek that out if this is something um, that you struggle with. So thanks for joining us for this episode of Bite by Bite Nutrition for Life. Be sure to find us on Facebook and Instagram at Bite by Bite Nutrition for Life. Until next time, remember to ask questions, challenge the myths, and stay true to you.